Welcome to the Decipher Podcast. My guests today are Kevin and Rahul, the co-founders of Doppel, which is doing some very cool AI-based security work uh, in the anti-phishing and brand protection space. Um, really interested to hear what you guys are up to. So guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about this. There's, If I could show you like a screenshot of the number of pitches for AI-based companies that I get in my inbox every day, you'd, you'd probably you'd probably nod and also be like, oh my God, this is, yeah, it's out of hand because most of them probably have nothing to do with AI and it's just like one of those things that they're throwing into their company description because it, their investors think it's a cool thing to do right now to get some attention. But, you know, having looked a little bit at what you guys are doing, it seems like AI is really at the sort of the foundation of the way that you have built the the platform. <clears throat> so tell me a little bit about where the idea for this came from and, and what you guys were hoping to achieve. Yeah, I mean, well, so it's funny when we started the company, it started off with a very different idea. Like initially we were working with um, ex-colleagues of ours and helping them solve problems in the crypto space actually. And, and you know basically looking for you know counterfeit you know nfts or counterfeit tokens and um you know solving that problem at scale right so how do we how do we take the latest ai models that are have gotten really good at computer vision or have gotten really good at similarity detection and uh use those to you know flag these different cases and get them taken down mm-hmm. uh, i think from there we you know we expanded very quickly in terms of our product and you know ultimately into what we do today, right? Which is digital risk protection. So, you know, basically took that core platform of, you know, getting really good at detecting, you know, fake content and then applying it to any given channel on the internet, whether it's, you know, fake phishing sites, social media impersonators, uh, fake mobile apps, things like that, uh, and doing it at scale. Um, And so that's how it's, it's funny to see, you know, looking back to see how the idea has transformed over time. Uh, but that's exactly how it happened. I think that's true of a lot of, uh, you know, companies specifically in the security world. You have this one idea and then it sort of transforms and grows into, you know, something a little larger and a little more flexible as you get a handle on what the larger problem set might be. That And that kind of strikes me as what, what you just described, Kevin. Yeah, exactly. I think... We started off with one particular problem, um, built a technology stack, and you know, ultimately just listened to our customers, right? In terms of hearing what were adjacent problems uh, that were worth solving, and um, and then I think also just like hearing about like you know where there were gaps with the existing uh, vendors, right? And and specifically around scale, uh, you know, that's that's really what got Rahul and I excited about tackling this problem space and specifically with our backgrounds as software engineers. So when you decided to sort of expand it a little bit from the NFT, you know, uh, token world, Rahul, what were the, what were the areas that you specifically thought, you know, this is ripe for some help from what we've already built? Yeah. So we didn't actually start with this top down idea of what should be next. Uh, Very much like Kevin mentioned, we kind of just listened to our customers and, 
they told us two things, right? One, a lot of social media platforms were having content that led to these scams. And two, the scams were actually hosted on websites. And so it became pretty obvious to us what the problem was. It was more about how do we solve it? Um, and so it kind of aligned with our strengths. Basically, instead of looking at just all the NFTs that were getting created, we said, hey, let's look at every single website that gets registered on the internet every day. And so every day we're looking at 10 million websites, looking at all the content, all the metadata associated with it. And as you kind of mentioned earlier, AI is kind of the, the perfect solution to solve a problem like that in order to filter that down to something reasonable. But yeah, again, it was just very customer driven. We just listened to their problems and you know, domains and social media were the, the next steps. Yeah, I think it, especially if you're talking about brand impersonation or you know, impersonation of people, specific individuals or things like that, the, that stuff happens so quickly. And a lot of it is, you know, generated by AI itself or in some way, you know, um, accelerated by, by AI. There's no real way to do that kind of identification, you know, takedown at scale just by humans. Like there, there's, as you mentioned, there's 10 million you guys are looking at 10 million new domains a day. There's no way that humans can do that. Exactly. Exactly. You would have to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to look through all of that. Yeah. And it just isn't possible at scale. And especially the internet's getting bigger and bigger, faster and faster as AI generated content becomes cheaper. We only expect that trend to continue. So um, yeah, the best way to fight that kind of scale is with the kind of AI technology that allows you to filter it down to something um, small and, you know, we do still have humans in the loop in order to make sure that our accuracy is high, but we need the technology in order to make it to a reasonable number so that we can actually tackle that scale. Yeah. So on a continual da daily basis, you're scanning, you know, the major social media platforms as well as newly registered domains. To, and what exactly are the, are the models looking for? We're looking for all kinds of signals. So it really is context dependent on the platform. So if it's Twitter, it might be, you know, profile images, bios, tweets, things like that. If it's a website, it's things like IP addresses and domain registrars, but it's dependent on, on the actual platform. And um, also the type of attacks themselves change over time. And so this is another way that MLs and AI is pretty good is that it's it can pick up new features as they occur in the data set. Um, so we're constantly looking at each of these platforms and seeing how the attacks evolve over time. And I imagine they're evolving pretty quickly because, I mean, the, the entire AI space, as most people think of it, you know, with things like ChatGPT and, you know, the LLMs operated by the, the large companies is not very old, you know, at least in the, the popular, you know, understanding of it. We're talking, you know, three years at the most, the way that most people might think about it. So in, in that time, we've seen attacks, you know, not just the impersonation, but AI generated phishing campaigns and that kind of stuff really just like ramp up right away. So I imagine you guys are having to be pretty quick on your feet every day with this. Yeah, there are, there are always new challenges to solve. I mean, I think like just some example, like recent AI threats we've seen. So, you know, of course there's been deep fakes, but what's, what's been uh, particularly like, you know, a scary problem recently is like people combine these deep fakes and then promoting it through paid ad channels so that, you know, it's really getting distributed uh, out to different either social networks or even search engines. Uh, they're using these deep fakes to like, you know, uh, 
basically proliferate all over, you know, search engine, um, you know, results and things like that. And basically, you know, conducting certain SEO poisoning attacks as well. Um, that was one example case. Another example case we've seen is, uh, we've even seen like these, uh, AI bot impersonators. So, uh, you know, imagine, you know, like a fake GPT site or something like that, that, uh, looks like it's being powered by ChatGPT, and it may actually be powered by ChatGPT, right? But um, but basically, it's actually a you know a platform that's designed to you know fish you, right, and, and steal your credentials, and uh, or you know have you compromise certain PII things like that. And so uh, yeah, this, this, the threats have certainly been evolving, and uh, that's what makes this space both challenging and fun. One type of AI generated scam we've been seeing a lot recently is the live YouTube videos. So they'll basically impersonate or use a deep fake of Elon Musk or Kathy Wood or some other prominent features and use that to get people to buy things in Bitcoin or, or sign up for, for various websites and give over their confidential data. Um, and so those kind of attacks we think will only get more common over time. I hate to laugh at that stuff, but you know, some of it does like kind of amuse me that like if you're out there buying shit because fake Elon on YouTube told you to buy it, then like you probably have bigger problems. But um, I had I have seen some of those, and even understanding that th what I'm looking at is AI generated, it's really really difficult for a human to identify that it's AI generated. Even if even if you know you know for sure that it is, looking at it, you can there's almost no difference. You know, it's, it's really difficult. So um, the challenge I assume for, for you guys is twofold, probably getting customers to understand what those potential threats are to their brand or, you know, to the individuals in their company and also explaining how your product can help them in, in some way, which of those is, is the, the more challenging one right now? So, I mean, it depends who you talk to, right? I think, like, with that first question around, like, okay, how does this actually impact businesses and why, you know, why should they care, right? Like, yeah. very often we are chatting with businesses that already care because they've dealt with, you know, some sort of regulator scrutiny around, like, hey, you know, you're promoting this sort of, you know, product or, or you're promoting some sort of, you know, financial investment advice or something like that. Uh, on a channel you're not supposed to, and then they have to explain, well, that wasn't us, and <laughs> that's that's a, actually a deep fake, right? So you know, yeah. that's an example case. We've had cases where media gets duped, uh, you know, investors are concerned, and they, they're flagging this directly uh, through the board. Um, you know, physical security threats as well when people, you know, uh, you know, do get harmed, right? And then they lash out like, hey, you know, Elon, you know like, you know, doing some personal threats to Elon or, uh, or even having people show up to, you know, a certain physical location to see Elon, right? So very mm -hmm. often, which like, at least our initial customers have been the ones who have felt the pain points of, you know, their brand or, you know, their um, executive personas getting, you know, impersonated or infringed upon in a, you know, certain way. And uh, so we haven't necessarily had that problem yet. Uh, I think sometimes though there are companies, of course, that we talk to who haven't necessarily experienced those after effects yet of like why this matters and, um, you know, and so those are the ones that, yeah, it would be a little bit more of a nuanced conversation. 
Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the regulatory and compliance part of it is something that might not come, you know, to mind right away for for some companies, but I think it's an important one because as you just described, Kevin, if you have somebody that's able to create, you know, a duplicate Twitter account or Instagram account or something like that that you know, has all of the brand marks that look identical to whatever, you know, you know, Fidelity or whoever it happens to be and is promoting some, you know, unregulated fiscal instrument or something like that in a way that is illegal. Right. It's the onus, unfortunately, is going to be on the legitimate company to prove that that's not them. They're, they're going to have to show, you know, look, that's not us. We didn't create that account. We can't, we don't control that, which right. is, you know, it's tough to prove a negative. For sure, for sure. And I think, um, I mean, something else to keep in mind, right, is like, you know, there are global audiences on all these platforms now, yeah. right? And so you ask, like, for example, who does fall for this stuff, right? And a lot a lot of times it is sometimes, in, you know, someone who's based internationally, right? And, and so they, they don't necessarily have that context yet of, like, what's legitimate or not. Um, and so there's global audiences. We've, I mean, you know, one one of the nightmare cases was I think there was a pharmaceutical company recently that got uh, impersonated on Twitter and X and and you know tweeted out, hey, you know this drug is now free, right? And <laughs> that caused the stock price to suddenly tank. Uh, and so those are the sorts of cases that like you know are are a nightmare scenario to deal with internally. Yeah, I mean it even happened in the SEC like yeah, two weeks ago on the you know yeah, yeah. that was. That was just a simple account takeover, but that's the kind of thing that can, you know, cause all kinds of havoc depending on who the target account is. Yeah, account takeover followed up with some impersonator accounts that, you know, are uh, proliferating content after, even after the account takeover has been resolved, right? Like, because people don't necessarily know better yet. Uh, mm -hmm. we've, we've seen it all uh, <laughs> in terms yeah. of havoc. You know, particularly on that platform, how, how there's been a ton of account takeovers there recently. Yeah, it's a, it's a prime target for sure, even though, the, you know, I think the usage has probably gone down, but like there's still, you know, depending on what little niche part of Twitter you're on, you know, there's still pretty active audiences there. Oh, for um, sure. You know, especially like the financial, the security world, they're both very, very active. But um, so tell me a little bit about, how the the platform itself works and i know that you know it's tough for people to understand in some cases how exactly large language models are built and trained and then you know how we interact with them so did you guys build your own model or are you using you know other somebody else's private models what's the sort of way that this all works behind the scenes yeah, so we didn't build our own models from scratch. Um, we mostly have just used open source third-party models, and that's been the best way to get started and be able to deliver this at a reasonable cost to our customers. Um, we also don't just use large language models, right? The problem of filtering down 10 million websites, for example, down to a couple thousand, there's a lot of other tools in addition to large language models that can help you solve a lot of the problem without having to spend you know, a couple cents per invocation. Because um, obviously large language models can get pretty expensive when you use them at, at large scale. Yeah. Okay. And so do you find that the customers that you guys are talking to are able to get a pretty good handle on how all of this works and what the benefits 
are to them because there is, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much sort of noise and hype around AI. Everybody's throwing that label on things. Um, but is it, are they sort of getting the message relatively easily? I think they have an intuitive understanding that AI is an important technology and might help solve this problem. But I think ultimately it really just comes down to results. That's what we found, right? The customers yeah. don't care that much about how you solve the problem. It's just, can, can you solve it? And that's why we've been successful thus far. It's not necessarily because AI is in our marketing and we've been pushing that to customers. It's more that we do trials and then in the results, we, we come out on top doing really well consistently. And um, that's more important than anything else. That's a great point. I was having a conversation with somebody else last week about how the security industry has been trying to solve the same, you know, four or five problems for 25 years and just throwing different technologies at them every few years and what it honestly like you said Rahul it doesn't really come down to people don't care what's happening in the box that's in the server room they they care about whether the phishing emails are getting to their you know employees and bad things are happening as a result yeah no, exactly it's totally the case yeah so what's the what's the next step for you guys where do you see maybe the next um, big customer opportunity or <clears throat> excuse me, where do you think um, the best big next big marketing opportunity is for you guys? Yeah. So I can touch on that. Uh, well, I think right now, like immediate short term right now, our core focus is just continue to invest in the core product, right? Like, you know, build out more integrations with different platforms and surface areas uh, you know, streamline more workflows internally. Um, and, you know, because I, I think that has been what's been exciting about Doppel, right? It's like there, there is a human in a loop that, you know, gets the benefit from this co-pilot, right? And how do we how do we make that co-pilot more and more powerful for, um, you know, the humans in the loop in our system? Um, you know, so for us, the expansion opportunity after, you know, continuous investment in that core product is like, you know, I've, I think for us, it's just exploring adjacent areas that do have a lot of manual workflows that do have, you know, a lot of, you know, problems to solve around, like, how do you get signal out of noise, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so those, those are the particular problems that we're interested in. So specifically, already seeing pull from our customers to, you know, expand our threat intel capabilities and, and specifically, what can we glean, for example, from the dark web uh, that's actually actionable and not just, you know, uh, general noise from the dark web. Uh, so those are like different, you know, different experiments that we're running. Um, I think there's, you know, basically just a lot of opportunity for us overall to like, if we get really, really good at developing like these sorts of co-pilots, can we generalize that uh, entirely and, you know, use that to support other people's security operation centers, right? So we, we've got our own internally, of course, and that's where a lot of our work is. And um, But then can we take what we do for our security operation center and apply that to other, um, you know, other particular partners, but I would say that's the most long-term <laughs> in terms of uh, ideas and opportunities for the team. That's actually something I was going to ask you because it seems like a natural extension right. if you can get that done, but yeah, you know, applying this to other socks, right. um, you know, for your customers, but yeah, that doesn't sound like a short-term project. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, I know you guys have been doing some work identifying, or you've had some some success recently identifying, you know, um, deep fakes and 
fake accounts sort of tied to elections and politicians and that kind of stuff. And obviously here in the US, we have an election coming up in a few months. So I imagine the next, you know, six or seven months are going to be extremely uh, filled with a whole bunch of hot garbage on every social media platform. So um, how exactly does all that work when you guys identify, you know, say somebody impersonating a, a candidate or you know, an existing politician, do you work with the platforms themselves or possibly the victims or maybe both to, to try and, um, you know, let everybody know and, and get it taken care of? So, uh, like how, like how our model works for that case, it's the same way it works for other cases, right? We, we work directly with the, you know, like how you framed it, right? Like the victim, but really the, you know, the stakeholder who's getting affected, right? The stakeholder mm-hmm. who's getting targeted, uh, so we would work directly with them uh, to then, you know, go clean up their presence on all these different social media platforms. Um, and so so with the election candidates specifically and what's out there already, right, like basically there's rampant activity across all these different platforms. And in particular, like you can see the difference in patterns for like a TikTok platform versus, you know, a Facebook platform, right, because there's going to be different audiences Sure. Um, and ultimately, yeah, it's about surfacing, you know, that sort of activity to that given stakeholder who is getting targeted. And then from there, working with them to, you know, secure their brand and their reputation. Do you, is it, is it easy these days? Not easy, but what's the, the relationship like when you try to work with the platform owners themselves, you know, whether it's meta or, or, X or whoever it happens to be. Yeah, I mean, well, I think like basically there, there's a lot of standardized workflows, right, that these platforms have internally. So as much as you can, you know, as much as you can plug into those workflows and, you know, understand how those different platforms work internally, like the better, right? If otherwise, if you're trying to do a lot of different, um, you know, basically if you're reporting through the wrong channels or, uh, you're engaging with the wrong people at the company, right? Then it's not a good use of your time or their time. And so, um, so the quick answer here is like, yeah, they've been great to work with. If if you know it matches the workflows that they do have, and and, and you know basically you know for example like you know different platforms have impersonation reporting channels, they've got trademark reporting channels, things like that. So yeah, I think it's very much about making sure you're hitting the right channel, and then. Um, and then also making sure you, you know, you're reporting to the right people within those companies. Right. Now, I know this isn't really necessarily exactly what you guys are focused on, but are there ways that, you know, um, machine learning and AI technology can be applied by the platform owners themselves to identify fake accounts or, you know, probably malicious or phishing domains being spun up, you know, before they actually end up? you know, going live? Yeah, absolutely. These platforms do have large fraud and security teams that are looking across the entire landscape and looking for these kind of scams. I think what we've found is a challenge they have is knowing what ground truth is, right? One advantage we have working directly with our customers is that they tell us what is real, what they own, what they don't own. And based on that information, we can do a very targeted approach looking for things copying their IP and brand. And the challenge that these platforms have is a much larger one of solving this for hundreds of millions of users at scale with very little knowledge of what true ground truth is. And 
that makes the problem a little bit intractable on their part. And that's where companies like us come in to, to help out. Yeah, that's a great point. I know that, you know, in this general security world, asset inventory and just knowing what you have on your network is a big problem for most companies. And it sounds like it's probably along the same lines if you're talking about, you know, if you're a large company that might have, you know, six or eight divisions and who knows how many brands and social media channels under that, you might not even know. There might not be one person that can point to every one of those and be like, do we own this? Yes or no. Right. Yeah, no, it's a huge problem with the brand protection space. And one of the things we're working on is basically being able to identify which things that they own and um, working that speeds up the process and helps them tell us more easily without them having a spreadsheet necessarily of every single domain or social media account or mobile app that they own. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, in, in yeah, no, that's large, a big part of the magic. Yeah. Large organizations, there's just no way for, for one person or even one team to know that because it's too easy to just, you know, create a Twitter account or a, an Instagram account and, you know, market as, as, um, legitimate and put legitimate content through it without everybody knowing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Nice. So, all right. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. It's been, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you doing it. Um, I'd love to have you back on in a few months, maybe uh, as we get closer to the election and see how badly or hopefully, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> not, not badly things are going. Um on the social media and AI front, but uh, I don't think you guys are going to want for for uh, work in the next few months. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. Um, well, you know, definitely appreciate you having us on, Dennis. And uh, yeah, it's you know always a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate you bet. It.